Welcome to the Soul Vibration Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Drea, and I'm so excited because today we're going to talk about the heart. So this is our first episode, the inaugural episode, full-length episode of the podcast, and I'm really excited to talk about ways for you to help your heart, as heart disease is the number one killer of men and women in America. So I thought it would be a good place for us to start at the heart. And so what I want to start with today is some headlines from allopathic medicine and studies that have been going on in the last couple of years. And then we'll get into some talk about alternative practices and what research is saying about those, including yoga and meditation. And from there, we'll talk a little bit about some apps that I found have been super helpful in monitoring my heart and just making it a little easier to monitor your own heart health. That way you can share that information with your doctor more easily. So the first thing I want to talk about is this really interesting drug that's been out for a really long time. I'm probably going to butcher the name. So if you're out there listening and you know how to pronounce this, hit me up and let me know. It's colchicine is how I'm going to pronounce it. And it's an anti-inflammatory and gout remedy that's been used for thousands of years. It's finally been approved by the FDA to reduce inflammation in the cardiovascular system that leads to heart attacks and strokes. It actually has been used for centuries, uh, including as a poison in ancient Rome and as a remedy for joint pain and other inflammatory conditions in ancient Egypt. This info comes from the Royal College of Physicians of Edinburgh, and it notes that it's derived from this plant called the colchicum autumnal plant also known as autumn crocus. So that's really cool. I love learning about plants and how they've made their way into allopathic medicine. So I'm sure there's some folk herb medicine type way of using autumn crocus, if I had to guess. Although if it was also used as a poison, it's probably maybe a little tricky. It'd be fun to get an herbalist on to talk about it, perhaps. If you're out there listening and you're an herbalist, please send in a message on social media or through our email so that we can maybe get you on to chat. Um, So I've studied some herbalism. I've done one year of herbalism school, so I'm definitely not an expert, but I'm fascinated by the subject. So the next study I want to talk about is one that compared older adults who walked less than 2,000 steps per day to individuals who took 4,500 or more steps. And those people that took 4,500 or more steps actually had a 77% lower risk of heart troubles. That's a lot. So they say to get around 10,000 a day, but as we know, as folks get older, there can be mobility impairment or other chronic conditions that just make it very difficult to walk 10,000 steps. So to know that if you can take 4,500 or more, that you can reduce your heart risk troubles by 77%, that's huge. That's like so motivating to me because I don't know about y'all, but I really don't love exercising. I really have to force myself to exercise and It's more of like, I want to be 
healthy and active rather than going to the gym. But 4,500 steps really isn't too much. And everyone can probably about get that in who's able-bodied. The study just continues to support evidence that the addition of even small amounts of physical activity can greatly reduce the risk of developing cardiovascular disease. So this is from Monica Serra, who's a research investigator at UT Health in San Antonio. Um, So that's a really exciting development and study to learn about. Um, The next one I want to talk about is from the Journal of the American Heart Association. And they're talking about sleep patterns. So they're taught, they were, did this whole study about what happens with inconsistent sleep patterns and why, if it's important for heart health. So what they found is that people who sleep inconsistently have a higher likelihood of atherosclerosis. And the study showed that compared with people who consistently got similar amounts of sleep each night, those folks actually probably are like 75% more likely to show signs of atherosclerosis. So that's basically participants had to have like two hours of variation in sleep during the week. And those folks who varied a lot within two hours were the ones that were 75% more likely to show signs of atherosclerosis. So Sleep hygiene, we know it's important. This is just another factor, another reason that we're learning that it's super important to be getting consistent sleep each night. So not just jumping from like five hours to 10 hours to eight hours to two hours. So really could being like seven or eight hours generally for adults. Some do need a bit longer or less. You kind of have to find that for yourself. But also in Ayurveda, we know that it's there's a very strict amount of time that you sleep. In Ayurveda, they want you to go to bed before 10 and to wake up by five. So that's kind of the hours that are the best. And that consistency will really increase health overall in the in the body in Ayurveda. If you don't know what Ayurveda is, it's an ancient science. It's a medical ancient medical system of India. It's been around for about 5,000 years. And very effective, uh, very effective the preventative medicine. So with allopathic medicine, we're often talking about how to deal with symptoms or a problem that's already come up. Whereas a lot of our Eastern traditions are looking more at how do we prevent these things from happening. So it's really nice to be able to blend these things. Next headline I want to talk about. This one's a little bit older. This one, back in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2005, they actually described broken heart syndrome. This is the first description known of in Western medical literature. They define it as weakening of the heart muscle accompanied by extreme emotional stress, grief, or loss, especially in women. It's called Takotsubo cardiomyopathy. And when it occurs, surging stress hormones, especially adrenaline, trigger cardiac pain that feels a lot like a heart attack, often with heart palpitations, shortness of breath, and flushing. The difference between stress-induced cardiomyopathy and a heart attack is that the coronary arteries are not significantly blocked, according to this Dr. Costello, who worked on this study. And there's links to all these studies that I'm talking about, so I'm not going to get super deep into where and all the specifics of each study, since we're trying to keep our episodes around 20 minutes. 
but you're welcome to go to the notes section of the podcast and everything will be listed there and you can click to read more. Um, so Costello explains that it's thought that an acute surge of adrenaline actually stresses the heart muscle when we're in grief and it leads to this heartbreak broken heart syndrome dysfunction. And more recent research published in October 2021 in the Journal of the American Heart Association found an alarming rise in cases of tachycardia cardiomyopathy in older women. According to the study, 88% of people who experience broken heart syndrome are women, and rates are 6 to 12 times higher in females ages 50 to 75. So it's just something to keep in mind when you have a loved one, any that has is going through loss or grief, that this might be helpful information for them to share with their doctor. There are medications that may be able to just help calm the heart, including herbs. So if you have an herbalist, a clinical herbalist that you can talk to online, I highly recommend the Rail Yard Apothecary here in Vermont. They can also do, I believe, over the phone um, appointments. Uh, and that's, again, Rail Yard Apothecary is who I really love. But this is something to really keep in mind. I didn't realize that Western medicine had actually recognized broken heart syndrome. And I had a family member pass away last year, and I've watched um, another family member kind of really struggle through that and have a lot of heart problems. So it's it's rather fascinating to learn about. Um, and... That kind of leads me into wanting to talk a little bit about herbs for heart health, general heart health. Of course, always speak with your doctor. Plants can be dangerous. We don't think about it too often, uh, but we do want to always check with our physician and or our clinical herbalist to make sure that plant medicines are not going to interact with Western allopathic medicines. But some of my favorite herbs for heart health are motherwort and hawthorn. So I'll tell you a little bit about each. Hawthorn is one of the best remedies for heart and circulation as it improves blood flow through the muscle itself as well as the arteries. It also reduces buildup of plaque that causes arthrosclerosis and it can prevent clots and heart attack as well as help with arrhythmias, angina, and palpitations. It can also regulate blood pressure and lower bad cholesterol. Now, motherwort is a plant that assists in healing the heart from heartbreak, and it can reduce palpitations and regular heart rate, especially during menopause. Like Motherwort is such a, a phenomenal herb to use during menopause. Um, it may reduce blood clotting, bad cholesterol, and atherosclerosis. It does help to strengthen the heart muscle and the blood vessels. So those are my two absolute favorite herbs for heart health. I take them regularly, and they're good for a lot of other things, but that's where my mind goes to when I think, let's help treat the heart and keep the heart healthy and happy. Next up, I want to talk a little bit about this great research that was done with yoga and the heart. And it's, there's actually a large number of studies showing that yoga benefits many aspects of cardiovascular health, which is um, a statement from Hugh Calkins. He's an MD. He's the director of the Cardiac Arrhythmia Service at Johns Hopkins. So he's definitely an authority on this, and he's definitely wanting to see more people recommend that 
we do yoga, which is so cool. And he says there's been a major shift in the last five years or so in the number of cardiologists and other professionals recognizing that these benefits are real. So beyond offloading stress, which alone is a significant risk factor in heart health, practicing yoga may help lower blood pressure, blood cholesterol, and blood glucose levels, as well as heart rate, making it a useful lifestyle intervention. One study has shown that blood measurements and waist circumference, a marker for heart disease, improved in middle-aged adults with metabolic syndrome who practiced yoga for three months. So let's do more yoga. And I like to tell people, this doesn't mean you need to do an hour every day. Even doing 10 or 15 minutes of yoga before bed or when you first wake up in the morning is awesome. It's really more about consistency than anything else when it comes to our health. So if you can do it consistently every day, every couple days, you're better off than doing something for one hour or 90 minutes once a week. Not to say that that isn't good and you shouldn't do it because, of course, any kind of exercise or yoga will help. But I really try to remind my own clients as well as myself that it's better to do a little bit every day and stay in a good habit of health. Same goes for meditation for a healthy heart. I've actually attached a heart meditation um, from Kaiser Permanente in the show notes. So please go and check that out. I'm not going to talk a ton about meditation today regarding the heart, other than we know that by slowing down breath, which happens during meditation, and quieting the mind, it helps to relax the whole body. It does slow down heart rate. And just helping our mind to quiet is one of the best ways to get our entire body to quiet and to relax. And again, just doing five or 10 minutes a day is well worth the effort. And there's a lot of research around meditation. We're going to do a whole episode just on meditation because there is just so much to talk about these days. So that's super exciting, but we'll get to that another day. So now I'm going to talk about the three top apps that you can use for your heart health. So the first one is the Instant Heart Rate app. It's got really high ratings. This app turns your phone's camera lens into a heart rate monitor that displays a reading in less than 10 seconds. Its accuracy makes this tool a trusted favorite with researchers and cardiologists. Okay, that will, that's kind of what blew me away. I was like, what? You're really going to tell me my phone can turn into a heart rate monitor? Okay, but this is so fascinating because learning what our heart rate is doing can give a lot of clues into our heart health and can be an amazing way for you to bring information to your doctor. Because let's face it, doctors have a lot going on these days and you really have to be your own advocate. That's another thing I'm going to get into in an episode because just advocating for yourself as a patient, as a person who deserves good care here in America is hard to get these days. A lot of us are waiting long time in order to get care and the care is not always as good as we would hope. And the more information we can provide professionals and the more we can do to bring to the table, the better off we will be. So the next one I want to talk about is the Pulse Point Respond app. It's free. You don't got to pay nothing for this. Um, so this is cool, especially for those who are CPR trained um, or not trained. You can actually use this app to get help fast. 
when cardiac problems arise. It connects you with CPR-trained community members that are ready to act in a cardiac emergency, sometimes minutes before responding units. Anyone with enough smartphone should have this app, you guys, like for real. This app uses your GPS to notify people in the surrounding area who can respond quickly and put their life-saving skills to use before EMS arrives. The app actually guides responders and also offers directions to the nearest um, AED, which is huge. Um, Beyond the CPR needed notification, the app can also tip off other emergencies and events nearby, which if you're not CPR trained, that can be an advantage because it can help keep you and your family safe and avoiding certain traffic. Like if you're commuting in the mornings, it'll alert you to where accidents and emergencies are actually happening live. So you can go around them and get and kind of get through to work easier and faster and keep things a little more clear for emergency services. So it's kind of an amazing app on both ends. I was just retraining my CPR and this app is enormously important and useful. So if you're CPR trained, if you're not, get it. (laughs) So um, the last one I want to talk about is Cardio. It's also a free app and it's an award-winning heart health tracking app that gives you detailed, accurate information about your heart rate, blood pressure, and other cardiovascular health metrics. So um, it does visual feedback combined with other health metrics, such as your weight, body composition of fat and muscle. It gives you the big picture of your heart health beyond the numbers. This app works with any um, cardio device as well for quick, easy to read data that's also easy to export and uh, share with your doctor or even family members. So you can pair this app with an Apple Watch to make your heart health tracking and share even easier. It's really cool, really helpful, easy to use. Uh, anyone really sh- in in America should have it, considering how high death rate is in our country for um, heart disease. This could save a life. So, and just help you communicate better with your healthcare providers. So that's all I have for you all for today. I hope that you enjoyed this very first episode and that you join me um, in two weeks. I'm going to be doing this the second and fourth Tuesdays of every month. And so in just a couple weeks time, it will will release our next episode about lymphatics. So I'm so excited because if you know me, I am obsessed with lymphatic health. I am a manual lymph drainage person. I That's kind of my like niche in my massage world because it just fascinates me so much. And that's going to be August 22nd that we'll be releasing that episode. And please, please reach out. Love to hear from you, your thoughts on the podcast, more things you'd like to hear. What in the health world do you want me to do research about? I'm here to do research for you so you don't have to. Please find me on social media. It's, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. It's Soul Vibration Wellness. And then you can also email me at soulvibrationwellness at gmail. And you can also check out my website, soulvibrationwellness.com. All of that information is also in the show notes. So please don't hesitate to reach out. I look forward to talking to all of you at some point. And we'll be creating a community on Facebook soon so we can talk more easily and have uh, 
time to sort of build community together. And that's like my ultimate dream is to use this podcast to build community, to save, help people save lives, honestly. Like some of this information, who knows? It could help save your grandmother or it could get help in time for a family member. And I just, that's my dream here is to just see us be able to have better health because health is really our wealth. That's truly what I believe. And I've lived that and it's just my passion. So I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I so enjoyed making it and talk to y'all soon.